I love thee, O God. I praise thee, O King. You're the great eternal one. And I bless the name that's above every name. O God, you're so good and kind. Such a wonderful God, a healer, a savior, a deliverer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, great and mighty King. Thank you, holy God. Thank you, holy God. Everybody said, praise the Lord. What a great God we serve. You have a Bible this morning. I'm very excited and pleased to be in God's house this morning. Happy for each one of you that are also here as we come together in the name that's above every name. We feel after the presence of Almighty God. I'm turning to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, fifth book of the New Testament. The most, really when you think about it, it's the most important book for us in the time in which we live because it, it's where everything took place the fulfillment of everything before it, from Genesis right up through the gospel according to John. And that everything after the book of Acts is a result of the book of Acts. Romans to Revelation, we are given that, how beautiful messages given to new congregations that were birthed out of the original church that Jesus built. Here in Acts chapter 4, if you'll look there with me, I'm going to begin with verse 5, Acts chapter 4 and verse 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Ananias the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, or by what name, have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people, and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. I want to minister for a little bit this morning on the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. You've heard the saying, no doubt, that's a tough act to follow. Well, I want to tell you that as being a part of the church, the church being people called out of darkness into marvelous light, people that have come out from behind the eight ball, so to speak, that's an old saying also, <clears throat> but people that have been between the rock and the hard place, shall we say, and I'm glad that we finally made a move towards the rock got away from the hard place. We learned who the rock is. 
and that Jesus is that rock, and that we can build our lives upon that rock. And uh, who is a rock like unto our God? So don't just settle for anything when you can have the very best. You can have the, the one true living God. And that with all your difficulties and all your challenges, and all your problems, just as they had here, as they came to the birth of the original church that Jesus himself built and started. These were people just like us. These were people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, having their challenges and their difficulties. And these people, the thing that set them apart, because there was quite a number, above 500, that were in a certain location. And Jesus was giving them last-minute instructions, and they were going to behold him as he was taken up from among them. They were going to be looking right at that event that would take place when angels would usher him heavenward. And uh, as a matter of fact, they, the angel said, Why stand ye here gazing? He said, This same Jesus whom you see go shall so come again in like manner as you've seen him go. And so, of course, there were many questions in their minds, and that's us. We always have a lot of questions. But it's so much better when we can have a lot of faith, much better when we have a lot of faith. Get away from all of the foolish questions. That's what your Bible said, that certain things begin to generate foolish questions. And people's minds get all tied up and they get very distracted and very diverted into things that do not matter. And uh, we don't want to generate foolishness. We don't want to be carried away with one place said dumb idols, which is things that are dead and dull and cannot help us in any way. But that people very often get taken with those kind of things instead of following the living God. I'm not after the dead and the dull. I don't want to follow that which is of man's devices and their own hands. I want to follow, find and follow the living God. And these folks, they, they came to be about 120. And the thing that distinguished them from the group, the other group that you really don't read about anymore, is that they begin to do just what Jesus said. They weren't arguing with it. They weren't taking issue with it. They weren't getting caught up in all kinds of natural thinking that generates questions to no avail, to no good, to no help whatsoever. And so they, they distinguished themselves by obeying what Jesus said. Now they had to, it cost them a little bit more, not monetarily, but it cost them of their time. It cost them of their effort. It cost them in not doing other things that this other group was doing. And you know the other group was trumpeting the, the horn, so to speak, and they were bragging about what what all they were doing. I'm sure they were Instagramming and employing all kinds of social media to advertise who all they were and what all they were doing and making everybody believe. You know, there's people that are always doing that, and then there's people who are really doing it. A lot of times, people just do a lot of talking. Oh, they, it sounds good. They can really put it out there. But then there's those that are actually doing it. It is written in your Bible, it'll say, and it came to pass. Over and over again, the Old Testament in particular. And it came to pass. 
And that means it actually happened. What God said. And I've read in the Bible where God, God said, they, they say, they say, you know, the, the Instagrammers and the Facebookers. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with those things if you use them correctly. If you would just use, if, if people would just use those things to sincerely advertise and promote the work of God. But uh, somebody was telling me how that some preacher was took a, a selfie. Now they got ussies. Yeah, now they have ussies. <laughs> you know, selfie is you take one of yourself, but now they've got let's take one of both of us or three of us or whatever, and they call them ussies. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he he took a picture. He's done this before, I understand. Took a picture of himself in the airport and uh, took it in such a way that he got his ostrich shoes and his white leather valise or luggage. White leather for a man. I don't know. That, that you know, that just didn't set too good with me. But, okay, whatever. And... Uh, but you know, I'm trying to say that there are people you've got to read the motives here. Who are, who are we advertising? Who are we promoting? After all, who is this all about? And so here we have, we have, in this book of Acts, we have a, a group of people that distinguish themselves by what they did for Jesus. They did what he said. They denied themselves. They, their flesh wanted to go in another direction and be with the crowd and get a hold of all the different trappings of life, the glitter and the glam. And their flesh wanted that. But they were able to mortify or deaden and render useless, as the Bible teaches, the deeds of their flesh. They submitted themselves to what Jesus said. In spite of the fact that they really couldn't see into the future with natural eyes, but then it is written, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We have a little thing back there that talks about replacing your fear with your faith. I had somebody say to me not too long ago, do you know what fear is? Real fear! And I thought, well, gee, my Bible said perfect love casteth out fear. I was a young man, and I got all cranked up about that preaching. And my pastor got me aside in the car. I was driving, of course. I was the chauffeur. And, and uh, he said, you know, the Bible did not say that perfect Love casteth out all fear. Didn't say that. And oh, I was just, you know, yes it does. <laughs> and uh, of course it doesn't say it that way. But it just encompasses it, doesn't it? It says perfect love casteth out, complete love casteth out fear. I'm glad that you can replace your fear with faith. Faith in God. Faith that God's going to see you through. Faith that, faith that God is going to work things out. And He's going to open doors. He's going to make the way. He's going to do that for the obedient. He's going to do that for the believing. He's going to do that for them that submit themselves and deny themselves and submit themselves to His will. He's going to do that. Amen. And you can have, you can have faith in that. You certainly can. And and when they when they distinguish themselves by going in the direction and taking the instructions that Jesus had given. And here they come and they they went about a, another half a mile, could be a little bit more, but it was in pretty close to that. And uh, you know, standards like that can be a little arbitrary. Sabbath day's journey can get pretty exact for them in those days. It was actually so many steps, which covered so much distance. And that, under the law, that was how they 
believed it. And so they, they went about. It was described as about a Sabbath day's journey. And they, they arrived at the upper room of the church house. And there they begin to worship him. They begin to praise him. They begin to bless and magnify him. I've seen some people come out of some churches, congregations, visiting. And, uh, you know, it's not good when the distinguishing factor about them is no worship. That they don't lift their hearts with their hands. I was getting, I mentioned to some of our young girls, and they'll be up after Sunday school. I said, you know, when we all will stand together and we say, let's lift our hearts with our hands. I said, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to take a, an ussie. <laughs> of, uh, I, I said, that, you know, you kind of grab the end of your sleeve and your head goes down. You know, just haven't got much going on there, you know. And uh, some don't even raise their hands at all. Maybe they need a, a little picture of, of what they look like, you know. And maybe they've gotten such a habit that they don't even realize. Now, some people have this habit. They, they grip the pew. Those hands don't make it up because they're gripping the pew. It's important, very important, to worship God. If you lose your worship, that is, if you ever had it, if you lose your worship, you will lose your God. Very important to worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for people to do that. God is seeking out people that will worship Him. And particularly, we, we had uh, the, the team over here that, finished up the mudding and the taping and the sanding of the drywall. Big job. They did a good job. And we paid them and we're done with that. Passed the hopper's painting and probably two-thirds of the building has been painted on the inside now. I'm very thankful for that. Everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. Amen. And, uh, so, but they, they, they will tell you, this group, that these two men in particular that do this work of mudding, taping, and sanding, said, we are not like most people. Said, we're particular. I like that. Just anything won't do. Some people are sloppy about what they do. Some people, nothing matters. It's not really important. And uh, but these these gentlemen, and they got they actually were being positively affected. You know when we all went through on the tour, and uh, we had we got to the men and women's prayer room, that big room, and and uh, we have some good plans for that room, and um, along with the prayer we're going to have there. But uh, we did have prayer in that tour. So when we got to the prayer room, and the Holy Ghost swept in there, and um, I'm telling you that God is there, friend, and he knows that's his house. And he's getting ready to fill that place with his glory. He's going he's gonna to respond to our dedicatory service. And um, these, these two men, I mean, they kept remarking. They said, you know, we're particular about how we do our job. And said, you know what? They said, this is a beautiful place. They said, this is God's house. And said, we want it to look right. And they're people that they're not even in the church. Now some people who claim to be in the church, they have an attitude that, big deal. It's just, it's just for the church. That shouldn't be our attitude. Our attitude should be what they said. <laughs> this, this is the church. This is God's house. This should be done in a particular manner. This you put your heart into it. Your soul, your life into this. This matters. This matters. You know what? 
Nothing else matters. But this. This is what matters. When that time comes for you to go the way of all the earth, it's only what you've done for God that's going to matter. Everything else will be like dust. It'll just be blown away. And the only thing that's going to be left after the, the wind hits and creates the dust storm and carries the dust away, the only thing that's going to be left is what's been done eternally for God. That's it. I've seen, um, I was looking actually at one, one place that we visited for some stuff for the church, and there was a, a book, and it was a, it was a book about some very famous people in the world and <clears throat> how they lived very affluent lives. And they had uh, a lot of money. They had a lot of uh, fame and fortune. And they were celebrities, I guess, in some way. And um, they were names of renown in the world. Back then, I don't know them, but it was probably in the 20s and the 30s, the 40s, the 50s back then. And um, I am saying to you that, you know, the book had pictures, color pictures, and of places they lived and how they decorated their homes, the furnishings that they had. But you know, they're dead. They're gone. And if they did anything for him, that's all that's going to be there. And if they didn't do anything for him, then there's not going to be anything there. I tell you, it's good for us to get the spiritual take on things, get the right perspective, get the right look, get the right attitude about the opportunity that we have before us today. We're, we're a very blessed people. And we have a heavenly opportunity. You know, the Bible said they might have gone back. They might have done that, except that they, they were living for and sought a better country. They were doing that by faith. There was opportunities to go back. And those folks that came down off that mountain, friend, they had a lot of opportunity to go with the other crowd and go in the other directions and hook up with the people that had the wrong spirit. And uh, one place talked about certain things that were done for advantage sake. People are looking for an advantage. They're looking to, one person said to me, every time I get a leg up, I get beat back down. Well, if you want to, if you want to get on up, then you want to put your foot in, in the, stirrup that's made by the hands of God. You want to put yourself, what did the Bible say? He's a faithful creator. The committing of the keeping of your soul, your life, unto him is a faithful creator. He won't let you down. He's given his angels charge concerning thee, lest at any time you would dash your foot against a stone. That he gave them charge to bear thee up. He can keep you from falling. He can present you blameless, washed in the blood in that day when nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to work. I've been, I've been to uh, hospital rooms. I've been to people's houses and visit their, their rooms. I've been among people that as far as doctors and Research and medical field, family and friends, that there was no hope. They were just marking it down. Time was, the last little bit of time was being marked by the sand that was passing through the hourglass, so to speak. It was down to the last few grains. But you know what? We were able to bring something that does work. We were able to bring hope where there was no hope. And that's what happened here. When they went in that upper room, friend, there was a lot of talk 
There was a lot of stuff that was going on all around them. But they separated themselves from it because they were marching to the beat of a different drummer. They were following the word of God, instructions of God. And they were replacing their fears with their faith because there was a complete love that had enveloped them. It was the love of God. And as they headed for that upper room, you know they were fighting an opposing force. We've had people tell about coming to the altar, trying to come to the altar, how they just felt an opposing force. Sinner people that, well, you know, sinner people have described that. I wonder sometimes if some of the saints might want to describe that, how that they didn't step out of the pew when they should have, that they it took so much effort to get out of that pew and, and begin to make their way to come and worship and praise or dance and shout or take a run around the church to obey God. I had somebody tell me here recently said that God woke them up and said, Right! And they said, Oh no, I'm tired. <laughs> well, I have been there. I have been there, so I could identify real good. But I told the person, I said, you get, you get a place to write, and you put a clean pad there, and you put a pencil or a pen there, or both, and you have everything ready. And I said, by God's grace, the next time that happens, I said, you already have prayed and asked God. You help me, God, to get up. Somehow make me like toast and let me just pop right out of the bed. I said, now it may cost you a mean cramp in your leg. Yeah, it may. I said, I hope it doesn't, but it may. But the point is, you want to get up out of that bed. You don't want to miss what God has for you. And these folks didn't want to miss what, what was promised them. For he said, repentance and remission of sins will be preached in his name among all nations. And he said, you go in Jerusalem and you wait for the promise of the Spirit. The promise. And that's what they did. Every step that they overcame the flesh, they overcame the opposing force, they overcame all the feelings that wanted to tempt them to go in different directions and listen to other voices and do other things and pursue other things. Doesn't that remind you of the ten lepers? Nose eaten up, eye being eaten away, ear all chewed up, fingers down to the nub, some cases hands gone, crying, unclean everywhere they went so nobody, so everybody could be warned. Don't come near us. We're unclean. That's what the law required of them to do. And uh, Jesus presented himself, or they presented themselves to him. They came together, that's for sure. And Jesus, they cried out and they said, have mercy on us. We're lepers. We're sinners. We're being eaten up. We're being destroyed. We've got so much confusion in our lives. All right, we've got like cancer of the brain. It's just, and you can get cancer in the brain. You know that. You know a man that owned owned a very big produce and farm company. He lived in South Bay. Just before that, I don't know what they call it anymore, Delphi or Comcast or whatever it is. Just before that building, used to be a little motel there. And uh, afterwards, they made offices out of it. He, he had an office there. And, and uh, just as he had made, felt like he made it in life, the money was coming in, the business was doing well, he developed, they discovered he had cancer. And it went to his brain. He flew all the way to Germany in an effort to get medical research to try to help him. But nobody could help him. He died. I could tell you his name, but I won't. But he died. He died. There are things that can eat away at your brain. 
And these fell, these ten lepers, Jesus told them. And you don't read where he said, you're healed. You don't read that. You read where he told them to go and show yourselves according to the way it's written in the book. Do it according to chapter and verse. Go show yourselves now. And so they went. Obediently, that's the key. They were obedient. And in their obedience, there was a self-discovery took place. All of a sudden, they, I remember riding with a young man sitting next to me. You know how the, sometime in the car you have that little middle between the seat that folds down, that armrest? Being a young man, he was about eight, and he was sitting there, and I'd reached over and took his hand in my hand as I was driving. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I looked. I said, your warts, they're gone. He said, yeah, they are. <laughs> I've had that happen more than once. We had a young lady in the school, and she, uh, she lived in a trailer park over here. And this has probably been, well, it was in the 80s, I know that. Probably the mid 80s, around 83, 4, 5. And uh, her name was Renee Davis. And she was where the kitchen is. That used to be what we call a learning center. We had, like we have downstairs, we have five Sunday school rooms. And uh, we have three learning centers. But we used to have five learning centers. And one of them was where the kitchen is because the kitchen wasn't there. And we had offices all around the perimeter. And we had uh, children in there, probably seven to 11, I want to say. Senior Sister Bell was the supervisor. And uh, we would have chapel services every once in a while. And I'd had a preacher come in, a good man. And while he was here preaching for us at the services at night, I asked him, be in our chapel service with the, with the children. We had, I don't remember that time, but we had had as many as 156 children in the learning center. Those were in the days when I was in the learning center, the main learning center, and it wasn't wise for me to have anything to drink that morning because there would be no going to the restroom all day because I had 67 teenagers in that learning center. And I didn't dare leave that room or there would have been pandemonium while I was gone. <laughs> so I had to learn to just stay there from 8.30 in the morning until, and that in those days we went till 3.30 in the afternoon. Aren't you glad we've improved that? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so anyway, back to, we had the chapel service. And brother, we had a move of God. I want you to know we had a move of God. And uh, all the kids that we had up here and, now, these children were sinner children. This is like, we had like Sunday school in Monday school because we had very few church kids, and we had a whole lot of kids from the community. And um, we all but lost our minds, and uh, God taught us many lessons, And but that's another testimony. But anyway, we had a great service. So, you know, everything rocks on, and we're back in school, and Preacher leaves, of course, and he went back to the state he was from, I believe it was Ohio. And um, one day, I was came into Seniors to Feld's Learning Center. I don't remember why or what happened, but uh, which is just right next door to the main learning center. You could keep the door open. I could keep an eye on things, and I went in there. And um, <clears throat> I uh, remember looking at each of the children and checking on them, and... and uh, Something caught my eye, drew, all my, drew my attention. Because this girl, Renee, she was only about eight or nine years old. But on the edge of her office, sometimes she would hit her elbow or her forearm, and she had warts just all over. And she would, when she would do that, it would scrape it, and it would break it open, and it would bleed. And for some reason, my eye was drawn, and I... I said, Renee, I said, let me see your arm. 
I said, Renee, I said, where's your warts? And she said, oh, she said, you know that service we had the other day? I said, yeah. She said, they went away. She never told us. She never said anything. <laughs> you talk about Discovery Channel. <laughs> that was my discovery that day, our discovery. Well, there was, life goes on. And many of these children, as I said, were sinner children, and they, their lives were so unstable. And they'd be here today and gone tomorrow, you know. And parents would constantly mess up their lives that we were stabilizing. And we were getting these kids the right things in them. And, but their parents would be so unstable and doing so many things crazy and wrong. And, and uh, so Renee's family broke up and moved away. And many years went by. And I believe I was with Brother and Sister Weekly down at the drawbridge. We used to call it the country club. And uh, down at the drawbridge, and we were having lunch, seeing Sister Fell and I and Brother and Sister Weekly. And, and uh, lo and behold, this young woman was sitting with her mother and her children. And I looked up and I said, Renee, is that you? And she said, hey! You know, they called me preacher then. She said, hey, preacher! Hey, how, how are you doing? And I said, Renee, I'm doing great. And I shook her hand and all of a sudden I, I ran my hand up and down her arm. I said, they're still gone, aren't they? And brother, I want you to know her face. And she just broke into tears. I want you to know my God is a great God. I want you to know my God is a great God. And these folks got in that upper room. And they got to worship it. They got to praise it. They got to glorify it. And there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of that house where they were. And they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues and languages. And glorify and praise and magnify him. But it didn't stay in that upper room. Mary the mother of Jesus and the other devout women and the apostles. Friend, they began to go down into the streets. They begin to bring what God gave them to everybody. So much so that you can be seated. One day, God bless you, they, they came to go to church, to go to prayer. A prayer meeting. Prayer meeting is important. And I'm glad that I promise you we're among the minority of them that have a night set aside besides pre-service prayers. And your own prayers. You know, I had one guy tell me, he said, my, my, my prayer, I pray while I'm driving my car. That ought to be the lowest priority of prayer, type of prayer. I'm glad for you to do that. And, of course, the way some of you drive, you need to be praying while you're driving. Me included. <laughs> and uh, the older my wife gets, God bless her. The, the, the more she's, every everything is stop, 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 and you know, and you're jerking it around, <laughs> and I'm not driving any different than I've ever driven, <laughs> and, uh, but whatever. I, I think she's gotten nervous. I don't know, but anyway, that's what he would tell me. That guy, you know, that's like you've heard the saying, "Whistle while you work." I had to break Sister Williams of that whistling stuff. I told her you're a good singer, girl, but you're a terrible whistler. I don't need that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> if that's the only time you pray is when you're driving, I'm, I'm glad you do that. It's better than nothing, but it's next to nothing. It's next to nothing. It's this thing called distraction. And literally, that's where that phrase comes in, I guess, drive you to distraction. Okay? Driving to distraction. In no way. If you're paying attention, you know you can't do two things 100% at the same time. Now God knows I try. I try to be in two places at the same time. And I have not perfected that yet. 
And if I could find somebody that would affordably provide me with helicopter taxi service, if I could get a helicopter taxi service like Sister Irma gets that connection thing for $3 all the way from Boynton Beach so she can come to church and bring her grandchildren, I'd, I'd get on that helicopter. <laughs> I'd be going here and yon. But, uh, and that'd make me get, feel like I was getting closer to being two places at once. But, uh, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you've got to, uh, if you're going to pray effectually and fervently that avail as much, you're going to do it with as little distraction as possible. You're going to give as close to 100% as you can give. That's why I like it. My best days are when I get up way before daylight and I make my way. Rain, cold, hot, muggy, fog, I make my way here. I slip on in here, friend. I get here before Tom and Patrick, a couple of the others. I remember when a couple of the others used to come. My buddy Vincent over there used to come. Got to help him to shake out. And I know, I told you, I know what that's like when that bed just got itself all wrapped around you. <laughs> and you're trying to get out and he's not letting go. <laughs> so I, I uh, you know, that's when you come and you, you're going to start praying. You're going to try to pray without distraction. Not before the day gets going. Before it gets going. Before anything starts invading your mind. And some of those things are going to be important. And they are going to be things you got to get done for the day. No doubt about that. All right. So these folks came out of that upper room. Freshly baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Peter stands up in the midst of them. Pushed forth from the other 11 apostles. And Peter is inspired, and Jesus is ready to speak through him and give him the words of life, and he does. To 17-plus nations, you never know who you're talking to. You just never know. I, uh, we, we go to eat sometimes downtown, and uh, I've taken church family there and young people there and whatever. And uh, we went, I don't know if it was a birthday party or what, but there was a young lady that she busses the tables, and I would always try to give her my, somebody said, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> well, Farrah, I'm not as good as you, girl. <laughs> I speak a little phrase here and a little phrase there, if you want to call that, speaking other languages. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? And thank you and no thank you. That's about it, you know. I haven't got too much, but I get a little bit. I get along, I guess. And so I I um I would always try to catch her attention because I could tell that she was Creole. And I, I, I would say, She'd just go right on by like nothing. And uh, you know, so I you know, get a little you know, I gotta get closer. Maybe it's too loud in here and she's not hearing me. Well, I, I never really was successful. Well, we had a little birthday party or something and Sister Williams was there and here came this girl, and I, I got to her, and I said, talk to her, talk to her. I said, I wrap that Creole. So she did. And so next thing you know, boy, that whenever I'm there with seen Sister Bell, this girl comes over, and she's, you know. So one time I I was at the table with Sister Bell, and the Milas were there, the Milas, and they were leaving. And they'd already been there, and, and they came and plopped down in our, our little booth, and we had a good time of fellowship. They didn't get to go leave as quickly as they wanted to. We had a good time fellowship. And this girl came by. And so I'm waving at her, and she came over, and I, I told Sister Mila, I said, and brother, I'd let Patrick too, but, you know, he doesn't speak real too well. Almost as bad as me. I can't say that too much. He's downstairs right now. God bless him. I'll have to wait till he's up here. I think he knows, though. And uh, anyway, he, he doesn't speak as well as his mother, let's put it that way. So, um, <clears throat> but they, they started talking to her, you know. So she assured us that she, she told me after they left, she, 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 she asked me if, if I speak Creole. So I said, bitty bit, bitty bit. <laughs> so she got a big laugh out of that, but she told me, thankfully she speaks English, and she said um, she said she was going to bring her family and come to church. And I thought she was a young lady, you know, just a, a young kid. She's got four children, four children. 
oldest one's 15. And, uh, but she said she's going to come to church in Belglade. She's going to bring her family. She knows of Belglade, so I don't know if she originally came from here. But I'm saying you never know who you're going to run into. You never know what paths you're going to cross. Uh, people are out there, a sea of people. Peter stood up, and there were 17-plus nations covered the whole known world at that time. And he began to give to them the words that Jesus Christ spoke through him. Until they cried out and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? That's when Peter gave the plan of salvation, as one lawyer told me that I witnessed to. He said, boy, that Acts 2.38 says it in a nutshell, doesn't it? And I said, yes, sir, it does. And just before he died, I mentioned to him again, I reminded him. I said, remember, you read that Acts 2.38. <laughs> yeah, and he slunk down and got in the car. He was so feeble, his wife was doing the driving. And, uh, you know, there's going to be people, a lot of people, that are going to give an account to God for what you told them, what this church told them. And so, as Peter and the rest of the church gave the word of God, the Bible said that day 3,000 souls were added to the church. 3,000 were baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. 3,000 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, and confirmed by God, as Peter said later, for we heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so, now the church is moving on. And as I reaching out into the community and going down the highways and the hedges and bringing people to church and witnessing and talking to people. And, and so, the Bible said that they came for prayer, Peter and John. And they were coming at the hour of prayer. Man, they, they had their clock set. They were ready. They are going to be there. And uh, as they were coming to prayer that morning, there was a fellow that was always set out on his pallet, on his stretcher, on his bed. And he would be there and he would beg for alms, for offerings, whatever anybody would give him. Because he was lame. And he had never walked from his mother's womb. And when he got Peter's attention and John's when they were coming up the steps to go into the church house at the hour of prayer, and that he begging for the alms. And so Peter said, silver and gold have I none. He spoke for himself. I don't know. Maybe John had a pocket full of cash. I don't know. But he said, silver and gold have I none. He said, but such as I have, give I unto thee. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And man, I want you to know the Holy Ghost hit that guy. And he came up on his feet. His ankle bones received strength. His limbs that were formerly impotent now had potency. They had power. They had strength. And, you know, he didn't act like just the normal run-of-the-mill, same old, same old every day. Oh, friend, I heard a song, and somebody on the radio uh, called in, I guess, and they, you know, give them a little chance to say something, interviewed why they listen to the radio station, blah, blah, blah. And they were telling about they like this particular song, and I guess what it is, you, you tell about the song, and then they'll play it. That must be what it is. And they said they like this certain song because if it said, if I, if I had no tongue, I'd praise you. If I had no feet, I'd dance for you. Church family, we have tongues. We have feet. What are we waiting for? <laughs> what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Why are we hold back? We're here to create an environment of praise and worship. Such as I have, I want to give it to God. And I want to give it to the lost and the dying. I want people to know what we have. I want to let our light so shine. I don't want to get caught up in distractions. 
and foolish questions and the trappings of this world? One man came back to Jesus Christ to do just that. He came back to thank him. He came back to praise him. Came back to worship him. And Jesus said, wait a minute. He said, weren't there ten of you? He said, where's the nine? You know, it's really one of the few times in the scripture where people who didn't show up and weren't with the program anymore got referenced. Because you read about the 70 leaving Jesus and you don't read about them anymore. The only thing that God said about them said, uh, said you're going to go where they are? You leave, you leave with them? And that's when Peter uttered the famous words and he said, where are we going to go? You're the one with the words of eternal life. Where would we go? Oh, yeah, my friend. And you can come, Sister Wayne. Thank you. And Jesus is inquiring, where are the nine? Is there not just this one to come back and give glory to God? Because you see, in route, the ten realized they got to taking a look and you know, I've often said that I wish people would take a little bit better look at what all God's done for them. Now, granted, maybe some things are more obvious than others. I mean, a guy didn't have a nose, all of a sudden he's got a nose. Guy didn't have an ear. Oh, got an ear. Guy that all the ends of his fingers had been down to the bone, the nub. Now they're all there. Oh, I can play the piano now. Or the guitar. Or the drums. Yeah. For God. I mean, that's all you'd want to play those instruments for, right? And, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, so they knew. They knew what God did for them. Do you know what God's done for you? If you if if that if that's getting dull, then I'm going to venture you're not praying without distraction. That some people say, oh, I don't know what to pray. Start with I thank you. <laughs> I promise you, there's a long list of thank yous that you could give. A long list of thank yous. That you could give. And if, if in everything it said give thanks and talked about things that are thanks worthy or worthy of thanks, oh yeah, oh yeah, how good God has been. But only one came back. But look who got, you know, we got people that want to always be recognized. You know, always about recognition. You want to get God's recognition? Present yourself to Him and thank Him. Because that's the last thing He said about the nine. Were there not ten of you? Where's the nine? Ten minus one, we got one here, so at least nine. He can do His math. Where are they? And that's it, no more. Now we're focusing on the one that's here. We're focusing, and that's what's going to happen. I've always said that people think that they leave the church. But I'm telling you, the church leaves you. The church is moving on. The church is reaching for the, the best that's yet to come. I'm thrilled about the lepers that got healed. I'm thrilled about the children that have had warts taken away. I'm thrilled about the lame that have danced and worshipped God because God healed them. I'm thrilled about those that have been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and their lives have been changed for the good. And they've been delivered from the grip of Satan and sin. Thrilled about it. 
And man, I, I'm telling you that when Peter and John got to that church house to have prayer, and Peter took that man by the hand and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That fella didn't get up ho-hum. That fella didn't just kind of bear. He hopped up. He popped up like toast. It's a fellow that didn't have legs that worked. You know, we got a little Casey here that God's given her a healing touch and I want him to complete it. And she told me, she said, I'm getting ready. My time's coming. She said, I'm going to walk down that aisle. God grant that. God grant that. God grant that. More importantly, God grant the outpouring of the Holy Ghost into that heart that's been baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. You're here this morning. If you hadn't noticed, Brother Small was here. And I saw him when he couldn't walk. I saw him when he couldn't talk. I saw him with all kinds of tubes and wires, every which way. I saw him in a bed with a cage around it. <laughs> My God. And now he's walking. Now he's talking. Now his mind is working correctly. Amen. Amen. That fella, Peter and John, he went leaping. He went dancing into the church house. Praising God. Oh, yeah. If you ever get to the place where that offends you, you better come to the altar real quick. Shouting offends you. Speaking in tongues offends you. Move of God offends you and turns you off, makes you scrunch away. You need to come to the altar. Because that means that you're shying away from God. That means God move and power offends you. You won't feel that it's offensive when you're on your back, when you're sick, when you got a problem. You won't feel that way when God's Spirit moves. You won't feel that way at all. Oh, yes. And you know, it was such a great miracle. The Bible said it was, and I'm closing, it, it was a notable miracle. Well, as far as I'm concerned, anything God does is notable. But I really think that that just meant that it was an outstanding thing among many things that God did. And this one kind of surfaced and rose to the top. And it got their attention. And... It got the attention of religious people. People who claim religion, you know, but they really don't love God. They don't know God. And uh, I had a man say to me the other day, How's the building coming? I said, It's good. It's coming good. Finished the drywall, mud taping and sanding, and we're painting now. Well, anytime you're painting, that's good. I said, yes, sir, it is. He said, so, well, let's see, January, February, March, April, May, June. He said, what, about six more months? So I just said, I certainly hope not. That's all. I figured I just wouldn't give him any information. I just said, I certainly hope not. You know, I told my wife that. I said, what in the world made him say that? She said, they're scared. They're scared. You hear me? They're scared. They're drying up. They can't get these kids like we got. They can't. They've tried gyms. They've tried sports. I know one man that has invested all kinds of money, hired youth leaders from out of state, and here come these youth leaders with their long, scraggly beards and their shorts and their tank tops. They're not getting the youth. That's not what's going to get the youth. And sure enough, not going to keep the youth either when you, if you get them. I've seen them try Awana, Boy Scouts, all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Yeah. I didn't read where Peter and John called out the, bless their hearts, the ladies' auxiliary. I, I didn't read where they, they tried this program or they tried that program or they tried the other program. <laughs> uh-uh. I read where 
he told the whole religious group that had realized this notable miracle that had taken place. Everybody knew about that guy being right down there. I know a preacher said one time, he, he asked God, he said, bring me the worst guy in town and save him. And so God did. He brought him the biggest drunk. Everybody in town knew that guy was a drunk. Everybody knew. It was a small town. Everybody knew. He'd been that way for years. But he came in and got baptized in Jesus' name and got the home. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any great talents. But he got the Holy Ghost. And he didn't drink anymore. Didn't drink anymore. You know, the Lord takes the bad out. But he don't leave you empty. He filled him with a new wine. The wine that Jesus told the woman, Hey, you ask me, and I'll give you something. You won't be thirsty no more. But you know what, church family? You got to keep drinking it. You got to keep bringing it in. You can't ignore God. You can't ignore this work. You got to put in the effort here. Oh, yeah. And so they got all stirred up, and they said, they said, uh, they got to looking at the apostles. They got to staring at them. And the apostles said, why look ye so earnestly on us as, as that this man stands before you whole by our own power and abilities? Said, be it known unto you and to all Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, this man stands here before you whole. Let's put the glory where it belongs. Amen. You want to take a picture? Take a picture of that. Figure out how to advertise that. Had somebody telling me that they got an opportunity to get the church on Facebook. Then they were talking about something else that goes along with that. It was only for $5. And it just puts you right out there. And I could tell that they were wondering about me. And I said, listen. I said, I advertised on television way back in the early 1980s when I could get 30-second spot for 50 bucks. And I said, and I still have. It was back then they put them on two-inch tapes. I said, now they put them on a CD. I should get it converted over. But I said I should get it so we could watch it so I could prove that I used to be skinny and had hair. I have living proof in color. But anyway, I'm not against advertising. I'm not against using something for good. You know? Put something out there that's a witness. Put something out there that glorifies the name of Jesus Christ instead of yourself. Instead of yourself. Amen. And they said, let's get something else straight. They said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby, everybody said, we, we must, must be Saved. Oh, that's it, friend. We must be saved. And if you're going to be saved, you're going to repent. You're going to get baptized in water. We've got a tank right here. In the name of Jesus Christ. And when you come up out of the water, we will bring you up out of the water. That's a promise. You will receive. From that split second on, you are eligible to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. It could be said it's a tough act to follow. Well, friend, we're in the same steps of this acts of the apostles. It has no amen. The church has continued on. And I want to continue on with it. I want to continue on with it. What about you? Let's continue on. Amen and amen and amen. Let's worship him. Hallelujah. Oh yeah. Come on now.